seconds of relaxation before very loud talking. Hi, I'm Katie. Hi, I'm Annika. And you found the Peter Rabbit Hole. A hour-long podcast on a 20-minute story. So possibly this one's going to be longer. Could be. (laughs) I actually timed it. (laughs) (laughs) So what are we reading this week, Annika? This week we're reading one of my very favorites called The Moon's Revenge by Joan Aiken, illustrated by Alan Lee. Just to go ahead and clear this up. Fun fun fact. (laughs) That's not one of our fun facts. We often try and get two copies of the book. It works better. So Annika has hers from childhood. Yes. My copy's in Korean. (laughs) (laughs) Because that's what the Boulder Library had. It's not like someone else had the English version. Nope. This is it. (laughs) Just the Korean version. Yeah. So. It is, as far as I'm aware, it's no longer in print, but it's medium easy to get secondhand. (laughs) This is going to be fun. Oh, interesting. Yes. My yeah. stuff is at the end. Oh. Yeah, like my publishing notes are at the end. Huh. I wonder if that's standard for Korean publishing. It Maybe. And what's funny is half of it is in English and half <laughs> of it's in Korean. <laughs> okay, but that's not really super relevant. relevant. No. Just, it's just funny. So... <laughs> So what fun facts do we have? That we aren't... have a bunch of fun facts that are not the fact that the only copy available in Boulder is in Korean. <laughs> so. Oh. Yes. I'm so sorry. No. When did this book come out? 1990. I believe it's oh. 1990. Okay. Oh, text is from, these, this one, I thought it was 90. It's 87. Okay. Never oh, mind. yeah. This also says text from yeah. um, 87, illustrations 87. Yeah. Korean edition published in 97. Hmm. I'm like, oh. All right. Well, I'll stop. I'll stop talking about it. I won't. I you won't. will you not. No. Nope. This whole episode is about how this book is in Korean. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Good thing neither of us read Korean. Not even. I can sound it out sometimes. But not from the characters, I'm assuming? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh. Because the characters are phonetic. Korean is phonetic. Oh, okay. So it like makes these are letters. These are these are noises. These are um, um sil- syllables. Syllables. Damn it. <laughs> yes. Here, if you give this to me, I can tell you that the title of this is Dal We On Ok So. Which that- I assume translates to In- the, the moon's, moon's revenge. revenge. And I might have butchered that a little bit, but that's what those characters say. Oh. Neat. So unlike, you know, Chinese or Japanese. Right, which it's words. It's words or, it, yeah, like there's no, there's no way to sound out mm-hmm. something. Right, you either know it or you don't. don't. And if you don't, you're just up to creek. So. Anyway. Fun facts. Fun facts. For real this time. All right. Please tell me about these wonderful people. Yeah, so Joan Aiken was born in 1924, and Mm. she died in 2004, but she was a, she's British. 80 when she died. Yeah, or, yeah, just about. Yeah. She was British. Like so many of your books are. Like so many of my books are. But she was a very prolific author for children and adults. Oh. And she had a whole series, which is like her best known stuff, called The Wolves of Willoughby Chase. 
Mm-mm. which is a whole, it's, she's got a lot. I think I read that one, but not the rest of them. Uh-huh. But it's a series of like eight books all set in the same world, which imagines that James the second, it's very specifically British, but it's like sure. James the second was never overthrown by William of Orange. And so the house of Hanover, so all the German parts of the British monarchy never happened. Oh, and so it's this alternate world where that happened. What age is that series for? I'd say it's, I think it's middle grade. Okay, I was like, this seems a little expensive yeah, no, for it's, like no, an it's not a kid. eight-year-old. Yeah, it's, okay. it's definitely, I'd say middle grade is okay. probably the main part. But so she did children's stories like The Moon's mm-hmm. Revenge and a couple of others. She did these middle grade books. She did books for adults. They're mostly fantasy or altered history books. That makes sense, so cool. she given how this Over a hundred books. Oh. Like, prolific. Yeah. Which is possibly not surprising because her family, wow, books. Um, this, this is the family trade. Yeah. So her father was Pulitzer Prize winning poet Conrad Aiken. Oh. I don't know who he is, but no, wow, but he he's a Pulitzer. Pulitzer Prize winner. Her mother, so she was born in 1924, yes. I will remind us. Her mother was Canadian-born, Jessie McDonald, who was a master's graduate from a college in Massachusetts. So, like, back in the teens. Yes. Yeah. A, a, a lady master's in the teens. Get it. Right? Her brother was a writer and a research chemist, and her sister, also an author. Wow. Just, that's just what we do. Now, but it also helps when you go into the same business that your parent was super successful and you get all those contacts. You just know some people. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, I just thought that was neat. Very much so. So, two more fun facts. Yes, please. The first one is that from 1943 to 1949, Okay. She worked for the United Nations Information Center. Was she a spy? Possibly. Yay! It's where she met her first husband and had... Did she kill him? him? Sorry. No, he died (laughs) in the 70s or 80s. Okay. And then she remarried um, a man who was an illustrator and not a spy, presumably. Presumably. Who knows? And then the other one is that in the 60s when she published, I think it was The Wolves of Willoughby Chase, Uh the payment she got for her second novel ever was enough that she could just write full time. That's huge. Which is insane. Yeah. For her like, second novel ever? ever? Yeah. She had written a couple of short story collections. But sure. But like. Yeah. Nice. Very impressive. Yeah. A plus Joan Aiken. And then Alan Lee. I was, so I was doing my research for fun facts and I was like, this lady's amazing. Surely the illustrator will be a like, and he's an illustrator. Right. He did illustrations. And I was like, oh no, he's also cool. Oh, because normally we would get like a whole bunch of one and one. You're like, and they do a good job. Yeah. No, so Alan Lee was born in 1947. He's still with us. Okay, good. Uh, he's Excellent. an illustrator and a film conceptual designer. Ooh, I like it. He illustrated the 1992 centenary edition of The Lord of the Rings. Okay. With this style yeah. illustration. Which That's a big fit. get. It's a very big get. And also won a couple of awards for that sure. edition. Sure, yeah. But he was also one of two lead conceptual designers for Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings and for the Hobbit trilogy. Wow. Yeah. Oh, so he got like that Lord of the Rings money. 
Yeah. He also did a, he illustrated a book of fairies with Brian Froud, who's like the fairies guy. He does all those, like, he does the, the squashed fairies. Yes, I love them. So yeah. one of Brian Froud's non-squashed fairy books, uh, uh-huh. Alan Lee did the illustrations okay. for, and they're gorgeous. So Alan Lee did not do the squashed fairy no. one. No. They're so great. <laughs> it's so silly. He's also got two cameos in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Sure. Because <laughs> he was on it. Right. Uh, so he is both one of the nine human kings that become the Nazgul. Oh. In the opening of the Fellowship. Right. And then in the Two Towers, he's a Rohan soldier in the armory over the shoulder of Aragorn. Just like, <laughs> when dude, he's talking to hang Legolas. it out. Yeah. I um, do love when you get like big, and they're just filler. It's a human body. So sorry Anyways, to have interrupted. Uh, so he was—he's also been the—he's been the conceptual designer on a number of other things. Sure. Which it turns out, like this book, were extremely formative to my childhood, uh, including the mo- the great classic movie from 1986, I believe, Legend, starring Tom Cruise and Tim Curry. The second time we mentioned Legend on here, I'm gonna it's have to watch best. it hacking movie oh, my oh God. i love it so much i will watch it with you you will have absolutely no idea why it was so important to me because it's garbage but it's beautiful and it makes so much sense that he was one of the conceptual designers <laughs> because now that i think about it all of the fairies and like all of the all of the concept right like really does just like it he looks does like, fairy tales and that looks like a fairy his kind of art Gotcha. My mind was blown when I tell you that I found this out. And then he also did, there was a 1998 maybe Mm -hmm. TV miniseries about Merlin starring Sam Neill. Okay. Who's the one who looks like Kevin Costner, but isn't Kevin Costner because he's better. Yes. And I loved that miniseries. Oh boy, I don't know how we managed to steal it, but I owned a very bootleg copy <laughs> of it and I watched it a lot of times. Mm, so did every that was how yeah. you watched Absolutely. that kind of stuff back then. I just don't know how we caught it. Anyways, I loved it. I loved it a lot. I was in a play that was definitely just they took the script of the TV show and turned it into a play for children. I was eleven and I was Merlin and I forgot. <sighs> two-thirds of my lines because I was the narrator and I didn't get a book. Helpful. You should talk to Daniel about his responsibility as a narrator on the play <laughs> one time. It was a rough time. Yeah, it's a rough time. And like, I was just like old Merlin. Yeah. So they could have, I could have just been carrying around like a Absolutely. spell book. Easy. Oh, oh, yeah. I know what comes psh, next. Psh, psh. Because, boy, it was awkward, me just wandering around the stage going, uh, uh, uh. And it was in the round. It was a whole time. Anyways, it was very impactful on my life. (laughs) Merlin. And then my last fun fact is that, back to Lord of the Rings, uh, he is an Academy Award winner for Best Art Direction on Return of the King. Wow. Yeah. Cool dude. Yeah. These are two very very impressive resumes. I was like, oh no, this is going to be the longest fun facts section because it's all neat. Uh, it's okay. I'll just cut out all the references to your childhood. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now that we've already been recording for 45 minutes. Perfect. Oh, it's we still have to do a, a synopsis. synopsis. 
So, this is a fairy tale. Yeah. And in this fairy tale, a little boy named Sep wants to be the most... <laughs> Just remember my <laughs> books in Korean. <laughs> this little boy named Sep wants to be the, like, finest fiddle player violinist yeah. in the... In the land. In the land. His dad is a carriage maker, and so therefore... Not a family focused on the arts. Yeah. So he decides to listen at a haunted house. Mm -hmm, like you do. For advice on how to become the finest fiddle player in the land. The haunted house tells him to throw his shoes at the moon. For a week. We'll circle round. <laughs> so he finds all of the shoes from his childhood. And we learn about each shoe in detail. And then he spends the first night he throws the first shoe from when he was one. The second shoe... And we get the little history of each shoe. And while he does not believe he's thrown them all the way to the moon, they disappear. And they don't make a splash. And so he leaves the other following mate on the seawall, because what the crap are you going to do with one shoe? And the last night, he throws it, and the moon chases him home, and he wakes up to the entire moon in his room, will circle back, <laughs> and which the moon curses him. Yep. And the curse is that his sister will not be able to speak until all the shoes are returned to the clock. Yep. That he will have to go barefoot for seven years and his family will befall a horrible danger. The moon is real pissed the off. Room is, the moon is very mad. So he goes down. He doesn't know how he's going to get the shoes back. He goes to get the other set of shoes, but the wave takes them. Yeah. And so in this time, his sister is born. That he had no idea was coming. Right? We'll circle back. <laughs> and then this time he works hard to become a very excellent fiddle player. And he has a very wonderful relationship with his sister. At some point, a random giant shoe appears after a shipwreck. And then a ghost king makes a cliff fall, possibly saving him and his sister, possibly not it's unclear <laughs> and in there he finds a beau from the shipwreckage yeah. he finds a beautiful fiddle because he was just using his own and so he practices with his beautiful fiddle more and it seems to soothe wild animals yep and then after seven years a dragon shows up yep in which Pure chaos. It's going to eat the whole town. And oh, his no. sister tells him he should play his fiddle. The dragon loves the fiddle. Mm -hmm. Sep encourages everyone in the town to have a musical party. Yep. In which we notice that the dragon is dancing with seven feet. Ooh. Wearing his seven shoes. Ba -ba -ba. But they're magically much bigger because yes. it's a very large dragon. For a while. And the whole town plays and dances and plays until his hands are going to fall off. Until the dragon becomes smaller and smaller until it eventually disappears and leaves all of his shoes back to being human size on the seawall. And Sep and his sister take them home and he becomes the finest fiddle player in the land. Beloved by Henry VIII. Which he played at all six of Henry VIII's <laughs> weddings. I do. 
I did not get that detail as a child. Man, I love it now. <laughs> we'll circle back. <laughs> there are, as it turns out, I didn't realize quite how many questions there were in this book. Like, I just, it just, it's obviously there's a ghost king. Like, why wouldn't there be a giant shoe? And then I was rereading it to do this show. And I was like, oh, oh, where'd you come from, my dude? Right? There's a lot of like, there's just magic, don't worry about it feeling yeah, to this. Very much. But luckily for you, dear audience, we're going to worry about it. So much. <laughs> so, art synopsis. Yes. Now that we've been is talking for a full hour. The most beautiful watercolors. <gasps> Holy shit, I wish I could paint like this. It, it's a fairy tale book. Yeah. The, you open the first page and yeah. you know it's a fairy tale book. Yeah, it's like the most perfect fairy tale watercolor times. They're so good. Great detail. Yeah. Textures, shadow work all over and the place. But it's all so slightly muted that it feels a little bit like a memory. Like it feels yes. like it's in the oldie timeies because they're, like there's no bright colors. It's that whole, we haven't done sepia tone, but we've done like a nice little sepia tone wash Like on maybe top there's a the tiny color. bit of sepia mixed into each of the colors almost. Absolutely. So that it's not like in your face, but it's all just a little dulled down in the, the best way. The waves the are waves. really, because they seem is foamy. So beautiful. His water and the hillside he plays on, I think, yes. are my two faves. Mm, that's a nice one. I have also, just loved that one. good branch work. It's all intertangled. The picture where he's in his bedroom and the moon is yes. in his bedroom. I've always loved that one. There's trees and branches circling around it, and it feels like the kind of briar you would have right before an evil witch comes yeah. out of it. So, yep. yeah, just. It's just so good. And it's apparently his, his main mediums, Alan Lee's, are watercolor and pencil. Color that, pencil, yeah. which. Makes sense, because he's real dang good at it. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, yes, the shelving notes. Do you, I mean, if I have shelving notes, I you cannot, cannot read them. You cannot decipher do, them? Do you have shelving notes? I do. Oh. For once, I have shelving notes. They are, one, musicians, fiction. Not where I was started, but okay. Moon, fiction. fiction. <laughs> Wishes, fiction. fiction. The end. I mean, I mean, they're not wrong, right? Because uh, fairy tale, and but that's not. But really... it's not. It's not it's like, like it's I not mean... like a standard fairy. Like it feels like a fairy tale. Oh and yes, it tells like a fairy tale, but it's not like Cinderella. Yeah. One of the brothers Grimm. Exactly. Yeah, I would have maybe put sea monster <laughs> fiction. <laughs> I don't know. It comes in like but I feel like shoes. Shoes fiction. It's hot. Definitely big shoe theme. Big, big, big shoe theme. Love a shoe <laughs> for reasons. To be fair, shoes are pretty integral to fairy tales. Yes, they do come up a lot. Yeah, I guess they're fairly universal. A lot of people use shoes. Well, and it also speaks to a time when shoes were a very important, expensive thing. Yeah, and, and you've, you've got. One pair. And you craft it yourself. Yeah. And if you don't have that one pair of shoes, you don't have shoes. Yep. Shall we get Indeed. to the book? Being that his name is Seppi, it took, I don't, I think I figured out that it's short for Septimus. Okay. Because his sister is Octavia, is Octavia and she's the eighth child. Right. And I didn't figure out that he was a Septimus. 
I think until I had read Stardust by Neil Gaiman, because one of the princes is named Septimus, that. and I got to that name, and I was like, wait, I know where this goes. Oh, I like Seppi yeah. much better. Yeah. Sep or Seppi makes a lot more sense as, like, something you call an actual human. Or, and also a small boy. Yeah. Septimus is, is a, kind of like when people name their puppies Maximus, and you're yeah. like, so Max. <laughs> Very much. But, like, he's the seventh son of a seventh son. Which makes it sound like that's a super important it thing. Is. That is Be- extremely important. I assume that was an indicator of his lack of family inheritance and uh, a lot of poverty. But no, no it's, it's, a, it's a magic fairy tale thing. Like, which makes the seventh son is usually, like, the youngest prince who, like, succeeds on the mission. And then seventh sons of seventh sons, because that's such a like specific right number you really doubled down yeah and seven is usually a magic number tend to be magical people in fairy tales okay it's a it's a recurring it's a thing that happens medium often in like the like british isles fairy tales well and while i had not heard of the seventh of the seventh son i was like seven super important to fairy tales yeah as we will Learn there's a lot of sevens in this one, too, but th- that his name also is right. Septimus, which is the seventh in Latin. Fun fact. Yay. So many fun facts in this episode. It's chock full. <laughs> fun facts. Yeah. I like that his grandfather was a fiddler. Yes. That it wasn't like some random uncle that we don't see, but like his grandfather. Yeah. Which makes a good reason why he would like commit so young at seven to being a fiddler because i was gonna say presumably hurt he hurt his grandfather yeah. but actually it takes a while to get around to the seventh son of the seventh yeah. son granddad may or may not have made Been it around yeah i love the reference to he saw the two kings fighting yeah it's king henry and king richard fighting a great battle and they heard his grandfather and they stopped and paused and in the way that children say bold things. He's like, well, I would just have played until I had made them stop. Yeah. And then essentially the world of fairy tales makes him eat those <laughs> words later on. But I like that he's, so he's, his dad's a coachmaker that like at the age of seven, Seppi had learned to, how to cut a panel for a carriage door and shave a spoke for a cartwheel. But he really, and I just, I had a minute where I was like, oh, sounds like a Katie. <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of reading it along. I'm like, yeah, you were, you yeah just obviously. working your dad's wood, wood shop. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and then he had the skill to build himself a, a tiny f- fiddle that, that that plays any notes at all. I was very impressed by right? that. Super impressive. But maybe we didn't have proper child labor laws back oh, then. absolutely not. So he maybe had quite the training. Yeah. To be fair, I started working in my dad's wood shop when I was, when I was five. I started being paid. There were two jobs I did at five. I, I swept and shoveled sawdust because when you're a woodworker, you don't have a small pile. You literally shovel out <laughs> sawdust and you uh, dipped buttons. Mm. The little, um, he didn't like screw holes showing ah. when he like did coat hangers. Mm. So they're little wood mushroom shapes. Yeah. And you just like, plug them in yeah so they had to be dipped in the stain and then ah. they had to be dipped in the finish and that was with tweezers that was the five-year-old job <laughs> nice 
great for hand-eye coordination. Yes. Fine motor skills. Mm -hmm. Don't buy expensive toys for your kids. Get them a labor job. (laughs) Put them to work. (laughs) Okay. So, So, second page. Questions. So many questions. Here in the haunted house, the empty ruined house that no one will live in because you could hear voices in it even when no one was there. Squatters. Squatters. Probably. But people said it was devils. So his solution is... And he's like, if they if they might be devils, they might as well be angels. I'll which, just go take a look. I mean, devils are fallen angels. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Fairly, fairly regularly. This is not my area of expertise. <laughs> I mean, all of my expertise in the area comes from novelizations of these... Right. Things, so uh, also not super clear on it. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> but his solution is like, maybe these ghost voices hold the secret to my future. Well, nothing else is going to get him a fiddling job. Sure. Right? That's, like, that's fair. Like um, his future is really just cart cart times. Maybe he could go work with his uncle who's a sail maker. But he, like. He made his own fiddle. Yeah. I'm just saying he might, he's got the drive. It's true. There is a part of me that wonders if like, if he hadn't made this deal, would he not still have been this amazing at fiddling? Where I have. Which we will get to. We will get to. Cause boy, I have thoughts. <laughs> I'm also, this is a small town. The idea that we've got an entire house vacant. It's spooky. Yeah. No one likes a spooky house. So I love. That he hears voices, he asks, they give him an absurd task with zero explanation of, like, why throwing shoes at the moon? Right. Yeah, he's like, great, gonna do it. And that's it for the house. Yep. Done forever. I kind of, I had a moment where, like, if you have a haunted house that gives you sage advice, maybe you'd swing by again? Leave an offering? Some pretty dire consequences. Fair enough. And I don't think he told anyone. So that other I people just... would be tempted to go listen to the spooky voices. I don't know. It, I guess it they just, just feels... hate the moon. The voices just hate the moon. <laughs> I also, yeah. We're, we'll get there. We will. So, <laughs> no, we're just there. Why, why would that work? To get the moon's attention? But then the moon's real pissed off at him. But it also gave him a wish. Kind of. Maybe. It maybe gave him the wish. It was definitely very pissed off. It was definitely very pissed off. All right. Now now we'll wait yeah. till we get so, to the moon. So the advice, as stated before, is every night for seven nights, throw your shoe at the moon. And Seppi's like, how? What what shoe? And there's and no like, answer. Nope. Figure it out for yourself, kid. Yep. Because he's... At this point, the last child. Yes. And so it's all of the shoes that everybody else has grown out of. And he's seven years old. Presumably, he's going to be the last. Yeah. His mother keeps them in a bag inside the grandfather clock, which I have always found an odd place to keep. I mean, I guess it's just like, it's like a cupboard. Shoes aren't going to like mess up the works. Right. And they're soft material. You're not creating a weird echo. Yeah. 
my other one, though, my, my secondary question about the grandfather clock is uh, much more recent as an adult. Okay. A, was grandfather clock a thing at the time of King Henry VIII? Because that is really pushing that's, back. That's, that's a long, long time ago. That's a good also, question. It definitely didn't look like this. This no. is like a super Victorian grandfather Absolutely. clock. Absolutely. And to be fair, if anyone said grandfather clock, this is this 100. Is, yeah. This is what you see. But it's got like the little, it like it obviously turns the little like half circle at the top, switches from day to night. Oh, oh, it's there's even ones. a moon yeah, illustrated. A moon. That's a great little Easter egg. Yeah. What time is it when he's doing this? Just curious. It it's seems to be 725. In the evening, because the moon is up. Yep. So presumably fall, winter, that the moon is up at 7.30. And it's England. Fair enough. <laughs> Which means that the... It, the moon's just up. It's just up earlier. Yes, because yeah. Because the light lasts less, because they're way further north than you think they are. Yes, they are. Why a lot. It's very, Quite very a bit. confusing. Anyways, unrelated to geography, <laughs> uh, so then we get the shoes out, and then we go throw our shoes at the moon. Okay. I love the, the little story we get about each shoe. Yes. But. Uh-huh. Why did he have to throw the first night his one-year-old one shoe. shoe? The second night his two-year-old shoe. Why, why not, not both one-year-old, one night, one-year-old shoe, second night, second one-year-old shoe? Yeah. I also have these questions. Because it doesn't feel as good, and you wouldn't get as far. You'd only get through four years, and the seven is the, like I, I know it just as a theme. There was no specification about uh, that of it's, like single shoes, right? It's clearly Break a greater sacrifice. Yeah, and because if he did that, then he wouldn't throw off his own shoe, right? Which is fairly crucial to the curse. How weird was it? Someone came in this week time. Someone walked right? up and was like, what's what up with all the little shoes? The fact that like neither of his parents or any of his siblings walked past the seawall and was like, why are our shoes here? Right. Because they, he even talks about the six year old shoe. Can't tell you. Don't read this language. <laughs> <laughs> that like the all six of night he's, the, the sheepskin slipper. It's the one with the buckle. All of his brothers wore it too. Yeah. It's the fifth night. It's the shiny calfskin shoe with a pewter buckle that all of his brothers had worn in turn before. Presumably some member of his family was like, wait a second. I know that shoe. I love that all the shoes are made from different animals. Yes. That's Neat. quite involved. And also one of them is crocodile? Yep. How exotic. Right? How close is a crocodile to England? Not very. I didn't think so. No, that one came from a lord. Yeah. Though. So. It was a hand-me-down already. One super fancy hand-me-down. But, I mean, it's kids' clothes. Yeah, it's you know, just what you do. You just, you got, it's, there's no use. Um, once you're done. <laughs> yeah, but this is a time period you were never quite sure when you were done. True. <sighs> Maybe it was an elderly lord's wife. I would hope so. It's still horrifying that occasionally <laughs> this time period at, like, 49, you'd be like, Ha! Huh, pregnant! Huh. This one will probably kill me. It does feel like maybe that's what happened with Octavia. <laughs> A Ooh. little bit. We'll get there. We will get there. She does not exist yet. Nope. So, 
He throws his shoes. Yeah. And on the last night, he throws his, the shoes that he's wearing now as a seven-year-old. And then he's like, can't use the single shoes. Guess I'll leave them all on the wall. Which I had real mixed feelings about. Because he's right. Yeah. What are you going to do with single shoes? I mean, I guess you could own... You, nothing. Nothing. Because you don't wear one shoe and one barefoot. No. You don't even wear two mix-match shoes. Especially not... Because they're each for a very different sized foot. Absolutely. Given how fast you grow between the ages of one and seven. I would argue if he is the seventh boy, shouldn't there be more extra shoes? <laughs> Only one of these is a hand-me-down from his brothers. And that's a lot of feet going yeah. through the house. Yep. Just saying. Only seven. Because seven is important. Well, I was also interested that six of the shoes were new to him in the family. Yeah. I expected way more hand-me-downs. Yes. And then he's like, people will think that a seven-footed monster has gone swimming. Little does he know. Foreshadowing. Indeed. And then he looks up at the moon. It's dirtied all over with marks. Mm-hmm. And I like that as a, like, this is why there are marks on the moon. Yes, I thought that was fun. Story, which is pretty sweet. And he's like, I don't know if those were there before. Or maybe that happens later. Anyways. I think it happens later. I think it's there. Yeah. Um, But anyways. uh, And then the moon looks angry. It just, it's got bad vibes. The moon has bad vibes. They talk, she has created all this personality for the moon, but doesn't talk about how it expresses scowling, anger. It's not, it doesn't have a face. I know. Well, some man, the moon. But vibes and vibes from the moon. I I love the way she's written it. Yes. Because you completely feel it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't need for us to done like a weird grumpy face on the moon. Like it 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 just works. It would not suit the story. No. I'll be on pig. I think there was a weird, there was a weird face in (laughs) the the moon. In I'll be on pig. You're correct. So he runs home and then we get one of my favorite images from the book which is the moon is in his bedroom i <laughs> like straight just taking up the whole space i it's a fairy tale and yes. this is this is what gets to happen in fairy tales but i was like how does that even begin to work <laughs> like in any way yeah. also like the shape of the window and knowing that it's the attic and seeing, like, the little bit of curve that you can see of the moon. Yeah. The implied rest of the moon is too big to fit inside the implied house shape. Absolutely. Like, you're only seeing the tiniest part of the moon. Yeah. And then, like, attic room is only so big. I always felt, like, in my brain, despite the fact that the moon, with its little footsteps, I like, do. the they're little really... footprints. And they're subtle. Yeah. They're, they're just sort of... I mean, they're there, but only if you look again. Yeah. But it always felt to me like maybe it was just the like a lot of moonlight in the room. Yes. Even though in the illustration, the moon is physically there. But it feels like maybe the it's way just that it's lit its energy. Yeah. It feels like maybe it's just more concentrated moon vibes here so in this room. The, com- the conversation between him and the moon, which is a fun phrase to say. Yeah. He never gets to state his wish. No. 
The moon is really just like mad at him and curses him, but never implies, and I'll give you the thing you want. I mean, it does say, yes, I have to give you a wish, you impertinent boy, but you marked my face with your dirty shoes, and so I will punish you. Why does the moon have to give him a wish? Rules. But he's... There's always rules. But he's really angry about these shoe yeah. prints. But implying all... that other people have not used the same shoe-throwing method to gain a wish yeah. from the moon. Well, maybe no one else knew except for the spooky voices in the abandoned house. Like that Sub's just the first one to realize ah. there's this very specific... <laughs> And, like, didn't do it for thanks or anything. I feel like they just hate the moon. The spooky voices hate the moon and want to piss off the moon. And if they get this kid in trouble, that's extra cool for them. I just That's don't... what I've always felt. I, I see that part. I see why the moon curses them. I, I kind of like this very vengeful moon. It seems fun. Given the title of the book. <laughs> exactly. I just feel a lot of times moons have, like, this soft flowy and the sun is hard yeah. and brutal and this moon no this no. moon is pissed off yes and I, I quite like that but I don't see how the moon is giving him a wish as I mean yeah presumably the moon is all knowing the moon is very yeah because he really he doesn't nope does he I've never occurred to me I like look twice for that huh Neat. And like curses him soundly. Yeah, it's like three curses in one. No shoes, seven years. Great danger. But you won't know what it is. Also, your sister that you don't know about? Can't neat. talk. Yeah. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just. And there's. Yes, I have to answer your wish. But we're not going to well, discuss that. We're never going to talk about it. <laughs> because if I say that and then just curse you and make you scared, maybe you won't notice that I haven't granted you a wish. So his sister can't talk until all the shoes are returned to the clock. Yeah. But he can wear shoes again, just not after seven years. Yes. Okay. There's like, it's like three different conditions, right? So like one is a time period. Right. One is a thing that you have to accomplish and, and one is just, just an looming danger. Yeah. Uh, relatively unrelated. I just like this owl that's perched right? in the branches in their so front. Good. He's just staring at you. Yes. And is not concerned at all that the moon is in the room behind him. Nope. This seems normal. Just got to stare at your audience. That's not what he's, he's here for. Yeah. Just to add some cre more creepy vibes. Yeah. Ambiance. And so he's like. Gotta go get them shoes. But he waits until the morning. Well, I mean, he has been sneaking out of the house. I guess he's been sneaking out of the house a lot. He should be very good at it by now. I'm just saying, if we're worried about the shoes, maybe, maybe get up and go yeah. get the shoes. Yeah, but he doesn't. By the time he gets there in the morning. Up comes a wave and goes squish and steals the shoes. The textures in which his shirt are drawn... Is just how I think about fairy tales being drawn. Uh, yeah. uh, 
Avery has a book of fairy tales that were mine when I was mm -hmm. little, and the illustration style is extremely similar to this. Yeah. So when I opened this, it just like, like again, me like, oh, we're gonna tell me a nice fairy tale. Yeah. This 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 two page spread of the wave taking the shoes away and Seppi like reaching out towards them, and there's like a seagull. Is, is one of my favorites in the book. I really love the two-page spreads. It's With really words nice. or without. But, like, the whole composition of it, and I tried a couple of times in grade seven, maybe. Grade seven or eight in art class, we did a watercolor section. Uh-huh. And, boy, this was what I was trying to emulate. And let me tell you, I never got anywhere close. Waves are so hard. So just, I, but even just like the color, like the, the feeling of the whole book, ab like absolutely, the whole thing was really what I was, what I was jonesing for being able to do, and that did not come out of my paintbrush, unsurprisingly. To be fair, it probably didn't come out of Alan Lee's paintbrush in seventh when he grade. Was 12. <laughs> Presumably, I, I love waves as an illustration thing. And they are so hard to make look like anything. Yeah. And how superb he has done. I just like the different, the way that they're, it's all green. And like, but like the darks and the lights and the froth and the, oh, it's just so good. And it's all kind of separated into pieces. And you would think it's way overdone in the froth, but no, it's actually. Correct. And you see the itty bitty little shoes. Yep. This is something I'm in. I was intrigued by how important the shoes are. Yes. They they're only ever like a quarter of an inch big. Yeah. No, you never get a close up of one no, of the shoes. Not even close. Perhaps shoes are not his forte. Fair. Which I is hate, fair. Everybody's yep. got something. Look, I've drawn a lot of shoes. <laughs> they're awful. They're awful. They're just the angles are they're weird. Just weird shapes. They never read as shoes when they're not like. A perfect side profile. No. So. No judgment. We get it. And then he goes home from the shoes being gone and they're like, it's a sister. You never noticed your mother was pregnant. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> he's the youngest. He is seven. But this feels like a town. But this also feels like a time when you wouldn't have talked about it, right? That like is you'd true. you'd just be sort yeah. of in confinement and you'd call it a day. I don't know. This feels like a really working class town. It is. So I don't think you kind this isn't like a fine lady. No, but she's she still is middle they're they're like middle class. Yeah. But they're middle class, right? Like he owns a carriage making thing, which presumably pays fairly well because you're selling carriages to people who can afford horses and a carriage. So like but I still bet she like went out and like churned the butter oh, yeah, throughout. Sure. Like up till this yeah. morning. But also, I mean, I guess also her, like, the older sons are like, those are some real grown-ups we got there. Yes. And I mean, we've got a reasonable range, range of ages. But, like, dad looks old. Dad looks like he's maybe quite a lot older than mom is also. But yeah. still, how, yes, how did he not notice that anything was going on? Yeah. Because he talked, he was like, well, I don't have a sister. sister? And you're like... And mom literally gives birth. And it's like the next day. Well, no, a week later. I believe No. You. No, it's like the, it's next, the next morning. Because he, he doesn't get in, in trouble, trouble for losing his shoes, shoes so bad. The, yeah. I think mom has magically, like, had a baby. <laughs> I, 
I don't think like Seth, the that's moon, dumb. The moon. I do sometimes wonder if the moon was like, and your sister will never speak. And he's like, I don't have a sister. And the moon goes, ah, oh, dang. I think now you do. Now you do. It's the moon's baby. <laughs> Oof, that's a whole. So that's a whole different. Yeah, let's. Offshoot. Let's maybe not. Octavia's pretty cool about. Uh, so, so magical baby appears. And Seth. And is silent. We were reading this. And Avery yeah. had a real time when it got to the point like she could do this and this and this. And but was dumb. And Avery's like. I mean, she was dumb. I'm like, well, it's an old-fashioned oh. word for deaf and dumb, dumb that you weren't speaking. She's like, no, I'm like that. I'm like, she's correct. Right. Yeah. And that was a weird moment to me when this was written. I'm like, yeah. I know it's a fairy tale book, and it's appropriate fairy tale wording, wording. but was it still appropriate wording given the time it was written? And I mean, I think, I think it's one of those ones where, like, probably you wouldn't have used it in a. Modern a modern conversation, right. but as a fairy tale word, it it wasn't quite as like, ooh, I think you're incorrect. And let's face it, the late '80s are a lot more cringy than you want to remember them yeah. being. And I don't remember ever being worried or distraught, like that. It, no, because deaf and dumb. It yeah. was it was it's the term, yeah. yeah, which is wrong, and you shouldn't use it. Absolutely. Like, wow, not a cool right. thing to say, but it never it never squicked me at all. It definitely made me start to wonder if our term, the mm. modern usage of dumb, came from that I in a way of did. saying yeah. dumb not being yeah. able to speak. Yeah. Yes. Became a you're not intelligent interpretation. Yeah. yeah. It seems quite likely to right. me. But it was it's always interesting yeah. on those things that I don't really like falter on and Avery as a new generation is like, hang on. Incorrect. <laughs> You love to see it. You do. But then it's also then Oz apparently like, it's how they talked back then, which is not a good term. It's not good, but it was. So here we are. This is not intended to be offensive. Just don't use it now. Yeah. Yeah. It's a tricky line. Boy, um, is it. Yeah. And her his dad is like, I mean, you lost your shoes, whatever, but you'll have to make yourself another pair or you don't get any shoes. Look, dad Which now has yeah. a brand new eighth child to deal Out with. Out of nowhere. He's tired. He's like, yeah, you deal with yourself. You've made a fiddle that works. You can make yourself some shoes. Enjoy. I, I love the concept that he keeps making shoes and they keep they just, just, just like turn to dust. Did that remind you just a little bit of the first tech week of CSF every year? <laughs> this whole it's pile got... of shoes turning to dust. Oh, so he goes and he's practicing in the attic of the in the loft of the of oh no he goes to one of his uncles who's a sailmaker right and he practices in that loft why I don't quite understand why he's keeping his fiddle so secret well his dad doesn't approve but his he said that's for Sundays annoyed. and holidays which was yeah. not like never was like yeah, you know just, just do it on your but off I think time he might be doing it more than. Sundays and holidays. Mm, that could maybe true. Is, is sort of implied to me. Right. And I think he's chosen the sailmaker's loft specifically because of the noise dampening. Right. Like, not everyone would be able to listen to you play the, if you were surrounded by sailcloth. Also, he's teaching himself how to play on the homemade fiddle. Like, none of these sounds can be good. I'm amazed Probably that not. Octavia is putting up with this. 
And he is largely responsible for babysitting her, which is sounds fair for yeah, this time period. Yeah, and I period. feel like, uh, yeah, I think that's pretty cool. But I feel like maybe he's getting more fiddle practice in because, because he is responsible for Octavia instead of like leaving her with mom. You, you mean you can't just have a six-month-year-old wandering around the cartwheel? <laughs> Cartwright? Yes. And then we get to my actual Wheelwright. favorite. Cartwright? Wheelwright. Wheelwright. But I think that's specifically wheel-based. I don't know yeah, that that's a, a whole different... carriage maker is a wheelwright. No, no. But, but I like, think this carriage probably... maker does make a wheel. Because he talked about them doing the spokes yeah. anyway. Unrelated. It's time for my favorite picture. I don't know why it's my favorite picture, but I love it. I like the bunnies watching yeah. him play. The bunnies are great. I like the sheep who are looking up to look at him in the lower corner. It just has so it's much like landscape. The like It's the rolling hills into the cliff, into the sea. The mountains and the clouds just eventually merge off. It's just... It's some... Yeah. It's just, it's a very soft image, mm -hmm. and I, oh boy, I love it. He certainly enjoys uh, drawing windy scenes. Yes. Mainly, we love drawing wrinkles in the clothing, and you can get more in that way. It's also, I think, quite windy on a hillside near the sea in England. Like, I suspect, mm. and they are both from England. Yes. So I suspect that this is... At least partially. I mean, yes, you can get way more cool wrinkles in and you get more movement and all of it is and great. And the when birds it's, yeah. floating about. But I think it's at least partially accurate. accurate to the environment. So he gets better and better at the fiddle. And Octavia's like, yeah, this is super great. Sure. Kids love, like, BBs yeah. love music. So then we get to a whole bunch of questions. Yes. In my brain... This always made so much sense. This was a reasonable set of, like, progression of events in my brain. As an adult, I was like, hold, hold on. <laughs> so. So there's a shipwreck. And we're scavenging for loot. Well, first, before that, there is an a, a interesting point, which you will not catch because you've got the Korean version. Um, but it's when his, her, his mom is looking for the bag of shoes for Octavia yes. when she's a year old and starting to walk. And she's like, I thought I had this bag of shoes. And then his dad chimes in with, no, don't you remember you gave the shoes to the clock mender the time that the clock stopped and he got it going again. Which is not what happened. Because no, Seth the... threw his shoes at the moon. And that is super expensive payment. Yeah. Seven pairs of shoes. I mean... Six pairs of shoes. They... Presumably Seth that, just lost yeah. his. Given that I think a clock of this kind mm, is a very expensive. It's, it's either extremely expensive or it doesn't exist. <laughs> Which I think is probably more the second. But like if it were, it would be, I think it would be very expensive to fix. And one pair of shoes came from someone coming in, and for yeah. a plate of food, we got a pair of shoes, which yeah. I was also like, expensive plate of food. Yeah. But I think it's also a lot of, like, I don't need these now. Right. You can have them because you need, like... I, I'm tired of carrying them. them. You take have them. them. Yes. Right? And then I think that... I think it's implied that this happened before Octavia was born. Yes. And if you didn't know you were having another baby, a bunch of shoes no one's going to fit in again it right. seems like a pretty good deal to get your clock mended. True. Because my guess is that clock mender is only... 
through every year or two. Yeah. Yeah, so that, that they've got this, like, alternate reality imagined about yeah. the shoes. M- moon magic has come yes. in. So then we go to the shipwreck. Yeah. So Octavia is three, and Sep is ten, and there's been a shipwreck. And so a lot of stuff is washing to shore, and so they're going to look for the good stuff, which is a thing. Sure. I mean, nobody on the ship's going to need it. Nope. You might as well use it. And this feels like a very working class harbor town. Yeah. And so, like, I'm surprised that more people are not looking for the stuff. I have to admit, I was a little surprised, too. Now, maybe they're just in, like, a little I suspect that because he's taking care of Octavia... And he's doing a lot of, like, wandering around the moors, playing the fiddle, that maybe he's gone on a longer hike to get there right. than, like, people who are working all day have time for. Yeah. But anyway, so he's, like, he's hoping to find be- real good wood that a carriage maker would not have to make a fiddle. Which was also kind of a funny moment. Or at least that he wouldn't be allowed to have. No, that is also probably true. Like, some really good solid. Yeah. And she finds a, a giant, giant shoe. shoe. And by when we say giant. Like she comes up to the. It's like the. So a three year old is like that tall. Yeah. Yeah. About three. Three ish so feet. This, this shoe is solidly three feet tall. And it's yes. like an ankle shoe. <laughs> Part you slide your foot into. Yeah. I don't. Does that have a... The, it must have a name, but I'm I sure. can't tell you what it is. It's like larger than a bathtub. Yeah, it's real big. Like jacuzzi tub size. Yeah. Not like a jacuzzi. Eh. Yeah. A jetted tub size. Absolutely. It's monstrous. And I, I do like that it doesn't super read as shoe. No. Until you get to the next page where it's not. And he he's like, oh, dang, that's a giant shoe. Yes, I, when I was reading this to Avery, she's like, where's the shoe? And I pointed it out because it feels like it's maybe a really cool hollowed out stump. Yeah. Or a weird rock cave. But then you can see a couple eyelets. Yeah. You come back to it and you go, oh no, you're right. It is a giant shoe that came from a giant king. Because there's this ghost king who looks the big. But he's wearing um, armor, and he's got metal shoes on. And he doesn't look big enough for this shoe. That's true. He is this very is a, big. Like, that's bigger than a, an adult man. This is like Jack and the Beanstalk giant shoe. Yeah. I guess, presumably, it's one of the dragon shoes? It's the only thing I could come yeah. up for with why there's this massive giant shoe. But he's not missing any shoes when he dances. Maybe. I don't I, I don't know. I mean, maybe he got Sep's shoes and he was like, well, my old shoes are garbage. I'm right? going to toss them off. They can go wherever they want. And did this shoe wash apart as part of the shipwreck? Did possibly... Okay, all right. It may not have. Wait. Okay. Poss- scenario. Yes. We don't know why the shipwrecked. Nope. We don't know why there's a giant shoe. Maybe the dragon attacked the ship. Oh. And in the process. Lost a shoe. Lost a shoe. But he got another 
shoe that was one of Sep's shoes. Yes. From his... From the moon? No, no, the wave. No, because the wave only had one of each shoe. Right. Well, he only wears one of each shoe. Yeah. So if he lost one of the one of each shoe... No, no, no. This is a different shoe from like... Before. Yes. Got it. Okay. Sure. (laughs) Three years later, the shoe washes up. I'd love, like... I'd love to hear your explanation for the shoe. Sometimes there's just a real big shoe. No, there's not. <laughs> you don't know what cliff falls on it, and then no one can see the shoe. Okay. Okay, so let's let's get there. Sep gets a weird feeling. Yeah. So he plays his fiddle to ward off evil spirits. Yeah. And then evil spirits shoot up. Or just a spirit, excuse me. Yes. Of an old king. Who yeah. looks super ghost king, king creepy. Yep. And like all, all the trappings of like oldie timey king. Yeah. He's wearing like plate armor. He's got a big sword. He's got one of those circle doodles. Spear, scepter head. I think it might be a scepter. Doesn't a scepter need to be on a staff? You'd think that, but it, the, the, ball the ball is like... It's like a king thing. Right. You hold it to be like, I'm the head of the church and I'm the king. I feel like you only do it during ceremonial times. Yes. But anyway, he's got yeah, it. He's got it. And his battle gear. So the king comes yeah. and seems to be enjoying his music. Yes. And then randomly points to a cliff and it collapses on the shoe. He points his finger at the shoe. Okay. And then there's a loud rumbling. And the and then the cliff falls down. Why? I think it's a warning. I don't think he made the shoe. Well, it depends on if we think that the king owns the shoe. But I think, I think it's a warning. I think it's a like, don't be over there. But it feels like he doesn't give him enough time. Yeah. Maybe it's that... He, uh, yeah. It feels like we're burying the evidence of the yes, giant shoe. It does. Very much. It reads as if the king has been there to help them. Mm-hmm. I'm just not, it was just a little foggy on how he How did. he's done helping. But clearly we're very, ch- this, we're charmed by the music. Absolutely. I mean, maybe it would have been worse if he hadn't played the nice music because he thought it was creepy. He got a creepy feeling. Right. Until he started playing the music and then the king is like, yeah, that's a cool tune. But the king also didn't show up until he started playing. It was just a creepy feeling. And then he played. And then there was a ghost king. Yeah, because he feels... Oh, right. Because he feels the feeling that he felt outside the empty house. Yeah. So clearly, Seb is much more in tune to the ghostly world. Yeah. Than other people in this village. And that's a thing, like a seventh son of a seventh son generally has like the sight, quote unquote, you know, is maybe going to do some magic Yuri stuff in these kinds of stories. Right. Um, We just don't talk about that. Which is funny because I feel like most of the stories that I know that like reference that that reference almost all of the things, like all of the things in this book. Mm hmm. Are for older audiences. Yes. Right? Like, 
I mean, I guess a seventh son of a seventh son or like a seventh daughter. That stuff happens in some of the Grimm's or the yeah, uh, I think it's Anderson's like in the, you know, like a 12th dance and princesses or like right. all of that, like the number of the child in the rank is yes. important stuff. Yes. Yeah. That gets referenced pretty heavily in things. Um, it's It's got so many references to like British folklore mm-hmm. that I feel like isn't generally kid folklore. It's like grown up fairy story folklore. But if it's your country of origin, you then you have a shorthand yeah. on that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Because I feel like this book sort of primed me to be into. Because boy, do I know a lot of things about some British and some Celtic folklore. Goodness gracious, did I hyperfixate for a long time between the ages of 10 and 17. There's some really good folklore. There's some good stuff in yeah. there. It's yeah. I know more of it than maybe I should. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe I could have spent a little more less time on that, a little bit more time on math homework. <laughs> but here we are. <laughs> It's fine. <laughs> I don't even have anything witty to say. I'm just like, yeah. That's just true. It's just what happens. Here we be. You get excited about the thing you're interested in, mm-hmm. whether it is helpful or not. How, do you not want to hear me go on and on about Law and Order and the <laughs> tremendous amount of random trivia I know about? <laughs> so This is not the Law and Order, Order podcast. That's you've got to do that one with somebody else. I'm sorry. They're actually doing that one. Of course. And I won't listen to it because I am a little worried that it is way too specific to me. And that maybe I won't be able to like come up for it. Anyways, that was another tangent. You're welcome. But the ghost does help him. Well, I think because like or a pebble, maybe it's like the so the the they're not in the way. The cliff falls down, and then one of the rocks from the cliff falling down busts open the chest that Sep was trying to get up the beach. That he thought maybe the chest would be good wood, but actually, actually inside it, like inside a bag, inside a box, inside a wax thing. I like that she's like, I thought about the seawater, you guys. I thought about it. To the point where as I was reading it, I'm like, ah, she clearly thought about the seawater. <laughs> because there is not a drop of water on this violin. That survived the yeah. sea crash. A, a, a big old shipwreck. But there is, like, it's it's so detailed. Yeah. It's kind of like, you can In, see where yeah. the discussion happened during the writing yeah. process. Inside a chest was a canvas bag, waxed and tied with cords. Inside that was another bag. Inside that was a leather case. And inside that was a beautiful violin. Was there not an additional bag inside the case? No. Oh, okay. Just in my head. But it does seem to be wrapped up in some very fine silk. Possibly. I, there's something so shiny about that fabric around yes. the violin. that It's like liquid silver. Yeah. But it's a gorgeous violin. And then he kind of sacrifices his old, old violin. Yeah. Two competing thoughts. Okay. I like the symbolism that you've kind of given your violin you love back to the sea that gave you yeah. this. Also, he's got a little sister who's in love with him playing music. Why don't you give her that to like whack around? <laughs> She's Perhaps. just going to want to play with your nice one. 
he did not wish to listen to that noise. <laughs> it's a, a having tried to play the violin on a real shaped violin. Wow, it makes some terrible noises. I bet. Hoofa. Hoofa doofa is what I have to say about that. I gave up pretty fast. Like one semester worth. I was like, no, thank you. I've never attempted to learn any type of musical instrument. My parents were very much against it. <laughs> I just had a hard time because my dad has real good pitch. Oh, does and he? so when I, which is cool, you know, great. But when I would practice, oh, it would you could hurt just you him. could just hear him from the other room going, "That wasn't right." <laughs> You're like, like, of course, it's yeah, not. I know. Thank you. <laughs> Made it um, less less pleasant to practice. Not that mm. I wanted to practice anyways. But still, maybe it was but not the positive. The co- having the, yeah, having commentary. the commentary of like, "Ooh, that was not quite right." Not as helpful as one might think. You don't say. Weird. And then we talk about how our fine new violin has like soothed mm-hmm. beast and I jam. Mean, <laughs> yes. <laughs> True statement. I do like um, that like before each of these like new events, you mm-hmm. get the tick-tock, tick-tock of the grandfather clock. Yes. That, that's a running theme in through, there. So that at least the clock is not a one-off. And it feels nice. Yes. You know. It's a good... A one o'clock off? Boo! (laughs) You and Daniel deserve each other. Yes, we do. (laughs) But yeah, so he does all of his practicing, and then uh, he does some cool magic with his fiddle. Yes. He, like, soothes a big dog, and he makes some blackberry jam not boil over. I also thought a spoon and turning and moving the pot off the heat so much would also probably help but you, you know, know also makes the clock keep ticking which is important there's a big focus on the clock and continuing to keep time yeah. despite we never explaining why, why other yeah. than just standard fairy tale trip yeah and somewhere along here we've talked about how his feet have just turned to rocks yeah like he just he can't keep a pair of shoes on him to save his life and his feet have turned as hard as hooves yep i mean they would after seven years Oof. though it's also a time period where some people did not have shoes yep Oof. yeah although i think a lot of people like you could have like figured something out with like wrapping some yeah. hay and it's finding sort of, some cloth uh, and it's implied that like all of those attempts genuinely don't work on this kid. Yes. I do like his toes would be so cold in the winter. I do like that he's yeah. like he was fine with her in the winter and you're like, so so what do you do in winter? Suffer. Cause a British winter is a cold, damp winter. It's real damp. Yeah. Uh, anyways, so then one Sunday, everybody's chat gossiping in town after church, and we start noticing omens. Omens of bad things to come. So they omens abound. Yeah. There's a magpie on the steeple. There's a ring around the moon. There's a bush in the churchyard with black roses on it. Okay, that sounds like a real problem, actually. <laughs> because unless you have planted black roses, you've Those got a disease running through. Extremely engineered if you can get anywhere close to black in a flower. Right. That's a lot of work. So, yeah, that, that thing seems like something should be done about it yep 
And then the moon shows up again, and it's mad. <laughs> just just scowling down, which I like. As a, the, like, moon the, like, scowls, the moon is yeah. just like, the worst. <laughs> and then here comes our excellent dragon. He's so good. I love him so much. Because in the first image of him, He's pretty scary. Yes. He's got big fangs. He's got big yellow eyes. He's got horns. We've got he's very big business. So the drippiest. And then the second page, you're like, oh no, you're adorable. I love right? you. He has that... profile and he's looking at me. He's like, oh. And you go, oh, I, you know, you're great. I love the scale of him. Because right? he really is the scale to be like, I'm just going to slurp down this human. Yeah. This town looks delicious. Like, yeah. Like a great meal. But the entire town yeah. would need to be consumed. Yeah. So everybody should, everyone's like, oh no, it's the dragon. And then Octavia pipes up and is like, you should play your fiddle for him. And he's like, excuse you. No, but he does quite a bit more before he's like, wait a second. Yeah. You're the one. And even Avery was like, hold on uh, before seven. Wait a second. second. Yeah. Because it just sort of happens as part of the chaos. Yes. Which I like, because I feel like that's pretty true. Yes. Right? Like, this is a very momentous thing, but there's a giant heckin' dragon in the in the town that's going to eat us. Which is a little bit more important. Pressing. Though, all the shoes aren't back in the clock, so how does she get to talk? I guess they're close enough, because they're on uh, his feet. They, I guess they are within the town. Yep. So... <laughs> I do also wonder that. But here we are. Such good texture on the dragon. I love him so much. He's just so lovely. I also really love that Octavia is so, like, down-to-earth, super useful, has a plan. Yes. And is like, I know I'm talking. Please don't deal with it. Focus. This is not. Focus. Now is not the time. <laughs> I love the comment from the village people who, in the midst of a dragon attack choose to judge Sep for like do you think he can't get it was like would you would you like to stay down in crushable face and yeah because he gets up to the highest spot he can yeah. get to and everyone's like oh he's so dumb why are you up there i'm like who has time to judge somebody right now <laughs> just run shut up and run you can tell by the dragon's expression he is into it like just enchanted has never heard anything better does the weird Dragon empty nose make you pause? No, I don't care. I okay. love his nose. I keep feeling like there needs to be a horn off of it. It feels like a little bit of a crater. Well, he's got to breathe through it. That's his actual nose. I, it's his nose holes. I get. I, I guess so. And the, he's a water guy, so maybe he just pokes his nose up sometimes. Oh, uh, okay. I'll give you right? that one. Like it's a water doing guy. Um, and I, I, like, I just... I love how he's like wearing all the parts of a boat that he's <laughs> the anchors, smashed. just like <sighs> like a cool earring. He's wearing this the net on his back. There's a mask just like hanging off of him. Various ropes, yeah, and pulleys. And then so we play, and the dragon begins to dance. Yep. And given the picture, this looks possibly more horrifying than, <laughs> than any anything other moment, right? This is not good news. No, because he is very big. So big. He he easily crushes a ship by just kind of like existing Going and through. walking yeah. over it. 
I do also, I just, I love the description of the monster dancing, though. Like, stomp, stomp, stomp. It went. The monster jigged and joggled, nodding its head, flapping all its prickles and plates. And, like, I just love the image of this dragon being like, oh, yeah, but, like, terror, not a good dancer. No, absolutely not. No, just, like, grooving. He, He also has seven legs. Yep. Which is unusual. I mean, it is a dragon. Fair. fair. <laughs> but I kept going, did we lose one? Were we supposed to be eight? Are we... I feel like this dragon was made by the moon. For this moment. For this moment. Like, this dragon is obviously the danger that they've been in. Uh, obviously. And, like, maybe heard Seth say the thing about... It, someone the will seven, think that a yeah. seven-legged dragon has gone swimming. Seven-legged like, monster. Yeah. Yes, because I'm so bothered by the idea of this off-kilter yeah. dragon. No, it's not reasonable in any way. No. But I love it. I also like that Seth Demon's like, are those my shoes? They're whoa bigger. <laughs> like, <laughs> this seems, something's weird here. Even he's like, this one. <laughs> kind of, yeah. But uh, I love he encourages everyone else to play. Yeah. Which actually seems irrelevant. Absolutely. The dragon can tell when he's not playing. But I also get like, if he's working, everyone else. Yeah. It also maybe distracts them and means that they're not freaking out and or insulting him. Yes. Instead, they are having a cool party. It's easy to just kind of glance over all the townspeople, but they're in some fine detail. And this is some fascinating instruments going on. Mm -hmm. You got some bagpipes and big old drum. There's this... Some sort of terrible horn. That's like curled like an S? I I believe it, though. Yeah, absolutely. That time period has some uh, creative shapes in musical instruments. And we are such in medievally times. We yeah. just have all the trappings. I do like that all the ladies are wearing wimp poles. Every single one of them. Because you would. Yes. There's a lot of good medieval hats. Yeah, a lot he of... Would, um, he would appro- approve. Lyra pipes? Yes. Yeah, lots of lyra pipes. But not only lyra pipes, which I appreciate. Perhaps this, the, the bendy one is a, is a crimmer horn. Crim horn. Because it's one of the things that is listed. As a, an instrument that they bring out. Sure, why not? They bring out fiddles, drums, flutes, crumb horns, and tabors. I think Sh- a tabor is a drum. Share the picture of your crumb horn with us right? on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> what medieval instruments do you own? <laughs> Let us know. At Peter Rabbit Hole on the Instagram. <laughs> I do like that the sailors out on ships far out to sea heard the sound and wondered what was going on. They're just like, that seems weird. You think they might be able to see the giant dragon thrashing about? It does seem very big. He's he's so big. Yeah. I like that his toes have even burst through one of his shoes. Yes. Yes. And so Seth played until he thought his arms were going to fall off. Well, because Octavia's like, keep playing. The monster loves your music. And everyone's like, yes, you're distracting him. Keep going. Keep going. And then they start to realize that he's shrinking. Okay. Is it the moon has disappeared? Like the moon has yeah. set? The, the, the sun is coming. I think you're right. I think it's more that than 
he's played him smaller because he doesn't start getting smaller until the moon is gone and the sun is rising. And then it seems like he accelerates Fast. fairly quickly, yeah. which makes it feel like the dragon is part of the moon's moon magic. magic. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the so in the story, <laughs> I love the image they're playing, and she's like, "Keep playing." He's getting smaller, and he yeah. goes to a house size, and then like a. Boat, and then he's the size of a cart and now not as large as a cow until it sprang up onto the end of the pier then with an expiring squeak it vanished altogether and the picture it's is so, so weird I love it's, him so much it's like if a snake skirtled through the shell of a turtle and that turtle happened to have seven arms like alligator arms sticking yeah. out of it and a cute little head on the end. Oh, it's so cute. It's so silly. And it's just like blowing away. And it doesn't... This does not feel like a miniature version no. of the other dragon. But I love him. Oh, I love yeah. both of them equally. <laughs> and it's like you can see like the wind catching him and just yeah. going poof. And then everybody is like, wow, that was a lot of dancing and playing. Let's go to sleep right where we are. Well, they always talk about like... The moment the the adrenaline wears yeah. off, and you're like, "Woof!" So everybody goes to sleep except for Seth and Octavia, who realize that the shoes are down on the pier. Who are itty bitty over on the and other like, side of the page. For, yeah. Oh, they are down over there, aren't they? And the shoes are like, you know, just chilling on the pier, nicely collected. Yeah. On the end. So they go down and they get them. And they realize that they are, or Sep realizes that they're his shoes. And then Octavia is like, we have the other half of the set. Yeah. They're in the clock. They've been there this whole time. I just play with them all the time. Yeah. No one has noticed. Ever. No. Because no one could find the bag of shoes. Also. Who put them back? Ten people live in this house. <laughs> How does anything ever go unnoticed? Yeah. Although possibly it's there's just everyone's like, oh god, there's so many people here. I've just I've turned Fair. it off. Well, and presumably, presumably some of his sons, some of, yeah, some of the older ones must not live here anymore. Cl- have clearly gone Please. on to have their own thirteen children. Yes, it is. It's you gotta. Oh boy, so that's so many adults in a house. Yes, because he is the youngest. Well, she is now. Well, but, yeah, but I'm at sorry, this point the... he's fourteen. Yeah. And in the picture where she's born, there are some adult children. (laughs) Anyways, uh, so they find the shoes and they're like, yep, they're in the clock. And so they put them all back in the clock, except for the hogskin clogs, which were what Sep was wearing when he was seven. Now they fit Octavia because she's seven. Perfection. Hooray. And then Sep goes on to be an excellent fiddler. He well, he keeps working on at his at the coachyard, and now. keeps. Um, but he also keeps playing his fiddle, and he starts playing at weddings and parties, and then he became very famous, and played at all six weddings of Ken, Henry the Eighth, as discussed. Which led to a very weird comment because he was like, six weddings why did you get married six times so we had to go into the whole henry the eighth oh boy and then daniel started to mention the church i'm like nope do nope. not focus <laughs> 20 minutes later you get to the last paragraph of the book <laughs> amazing i don't know 
I ever asked? For a long time, I thought that all of the king stuff in this book was made up. Right. And like, it, was it was very... Just, yeah. You know, why wouldn't he have had six weddings? It's a fairy tale thing. Sure. Have six weddings. Yeah. And it was interesting as an adult being like, also being an adult who did a lot of Shakespeare, which is yes. how I know most of my royal history. Absolutely. It's <laughs> all Shakespeare in just, here. Just being like, oh, yeah, I know that guy. Pop references. <laughs> <laughs> so here's really where I come back to the moon granting the wish. Right. Did the moon grant his wish or did he just work very hard to become a great musician? Yeah. I do wonder. It's hard to say. Because he does. I do. I really like that it's not like. Poof. He, poof, you're amazing at fiddling. Yeah. And like you can't wear shoes and your sister can't talk. But you're primo so right. good. Immediately. But he's also. His fiddling does seem to do magic. It does soothe beast. And jam. Jam. <laughs> and clock. And even in their Octavia references, like a charging bull yeah. at some point. So, yeah. yes. And it, lots of people work an instrument very hard and don't get to play at all six of a king's weddings. Right. So, so I wonder if it's a like, it's just a little boost. Yeah. It's like, he worked really hard. He would have been very good anyways. But here he's like, really good instead of like, you know, successful. And it's one of those, like, what's the difference between someone famous and someone who's really hardworking and grinding it out? And sometimes just a little bit of luck. Yeah. And so I feel like it's a little, like, that's the moon's yeah. wish grant. It's just that little, like, boop. Right. That puts you over the top. That makes you the best. Yeah. But I do like that he had to work to, to get, get there. there. Yeah. I thought that's really nice. Um, and I like that in that final image Octavia's playing a little recorder because she has always been interested in the yes. music and so like she's picked up her own instrument presumably they will play together yeah it, it very much feels not just that he is her caretaker but they are very close uh, yeah that they are they are genuinely close and they you know enjoy each other's company yeah um and then there's the final bit this is where the did he, did he do the thing? Which uh -huh. is that where Sap is walking home after playing music in the nighttime and he would look up at the moon with its black dirty marks and think, did I really do that? Did I do that terrible thing to the poor moon? Oh, well. Right? I wish the moon would tell me. But the moon never spoke to him again. And what, another thing we didn't reference is after the whole town woke up from oh, yeah, exhaustion. Oh, yeah, yeah. They just don't remember. Nope. No, dragon. no monsters here, which presumably would have left a wreck of carnage, even if it wasn't right? just existing in the harbor. Yeah, like it tore up some ships. Yeah, on its way in. Apparently, the moon just whoop. Yeah, all I... better. It does feel a little bit like the moon is personally gaslighting him. One hundred percent. That like it... the moon is so annoyed and is like, I'm gonna make you. The least believed human right. ever. It's like you threw these shoes away. It's like, no, you didn't. Mom gave them to the clockmaker. Okay, the shoes are gone. No, no they're not. not. They're They've been the... here all the yeah. time. 
There was and, a giant monster. No, there wasn't. And I saved you from the giant monster. Absolutely not. Mm-mm. We went to church and then we fell asleep on the boardwalk and now it's the morning. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Which is weird. And I feel like should be addressed. One would think. But I guess it's not relevant to the story. <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of like extra conversations that happen around this story that yes. we just are not party to, which is fine. That's how stories work. Yep. And it's one of those, this is a world of magic. Yes. It's just a magic place. It's always a little interesting when you go, this is a world of magic. And then you throw in like some kind of, this is a world of magic where a moon has created this world and this dragon and there's ghosts. And there's occasionally moments in worlds that are full of magic that you're like, wait, how how many things are we allowing in? (laughs) Are there werewolves here? Right. Is there a vampire? Is this a vampire world? (laughs) Seems a stretch, but at the same time, you're like, we got ghosts. And, Eh?" like, attack moon. I watched Charm. Mm -hmm. I watched that. I didn't watch what was the um, other one that was so... Supernatural. Ah. Um, I don't think of those as being near each other, but I guess they are, technically. If you think, like, Buffy the Vampire or Charm. Charm was the one I watched. Mm -hmm. And occasionally... excellent choice. Thank you. And occasionally when they'd be like, we're doing an episode with leprechauns, the three main characters would be like, wait, leprechaun season? They're like, hi, you're witches. Are you really going to question our reality? And they're like, fine. And the amount of episodes that they just went, cool. Sure. This exists in our world too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That is what happens in this book. Yes. The rhythm Reads like a fairy tale. Reads like a fairy tale. It's got some very old-timey language that at a few points felt a little late on thick. hmm That being said, it felt like it could completely blend in with all of my old fairy tale yeah. books. Yeah, it's very much written in the style. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And it's it's pleasant to read. Mm-hmm. It... Things keep happening. It's not like we're just, like, describing the scenery or something. No. Which can happen sometimes in an older timey. Yeah. Like, it's paced, it's paced like a fairy tale. It is. Right? Like, there's a lot going on, but there's always something happening that is relevant. And you're not... Because, also in that old time fairy, it also still has a bit of a soothing yeah. quality. Even when things are happening and big, it's still kind of like... Uh, yes. Yeah, like stuff is always happening, but it's not overwhelming. Yeah. Which is a nice time. Katie, Katie, what is the moral of the moon's revenge? Oof. The moral. You can... You can trick a magical being into giving you what you want, but it'll cost you? It doesn't hurt to listen to the spooky voices. And not question them. And not question them at all. Blindly follow their advice despite... It being a spooky haunted house. And the advice making no damn sense. Yeah. Mm, Mm. There's some wiggle room in the curses you get. (laughs) Octavia started talking a whole lot since... Well, like a couple hours ago. I feel like maybe the... Curse was not so bad because Sep worked so hard on fiddling. I was going to say. Like he fixes a bunch of 
the problems with the fiddle. Right. Because the shoes aren't really a problem. That's just a time limit, whatever. Yeah. But, like, the approaching danger really gets solved because he's worked so hard at being yes. good at fiddling. And presumably not just because the moon said, you're good at fiddling now. That he put in the time. So I yeah. think... If Sep had not worked so hard to try and be yeah. so good, the repercussions from the curse would have been much worse because he couldn't have fixed the sea monster. And if the sea monster hadn't been fixed, Octavia probably wouldn't, wouldn't have, have talked because, wow, they all would have been eaten. So maybe the moral is don't expect someone else to make your dreams come true. Right. Like even if, even if someone has given you a leg up, you still have to put in the work. Right. Oh, that was a real one. Dang. Yeah. <laughs> I think the spooky voices is better. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Moral. Yeah. <sighs> Next week. Next week. Another great favorite of both of ours. Yes. This will be the first. Didn't we do another one that we both knew? I mean, Frank and Ernest. Yeah. Next week. Yes. We will be reading Mrs. Rumpheus by Barbara Cooney. You may know it as the Lupin Lady. Because, boy, that's what I think of that yep. book as. <laughs> Completely 100%. Yeah. Could not tell you her name. She's the Lupin Lady. You And you'd know what the cover looks like. Yep. It's all pretty in purples. Oh, it's so good. We're going to spend a while talking about the art in that one, I think. Yes. And probably lots of feelings. Also, maybe colonialism. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So look forward to that. <laughs> a good time. Do you have memories of the Lupin Lady? You can send them to us at, in our email at thepeterrabbithole at gmail.com. Ha. No. No. Do you have a cool picture of the moon? <laughs> <laughs> send it in and maybe we'll post it on our website. It's www.peterrabbithole.com. And if you have a picture of you learning to play the instrument as a small child, tag us on it on Instagram at Peter Rabbit Hole. Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs>